Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about the Bible, how we use the Bible, how we misuse the Bible, and how we should actually be reading it. Growing up in my crazy cultic subgroup of Christianity, we were never actually taught how to read the Bible in a hermeneutically correct way. Instead, we actually were taught to use it kind of like a religious Ouija board. Um, it was just one of those things where you could pray and then get a rhema. And rhema is the Greek word for word, but in our organization, it meant this like inspired word from God. And it didn't actually matter if your word was in context or not. You could just get some kind of a crazy rhema anywhere from anything. And that was God talking to you. And so as a result, quote unquote, God told people to do all kinds of stuff from move to marry off their kids to get a different job, whatever. But all of those verses were just these random things that they collected in English and were like, oh, yeah, I think that's what that means. It was basically using it like a religious Ouija board, which is kind of a weird thing to say and a weird thing to do. But that is totally how we used it. And I never learned about hermeneutics. I never learned about reading in context. And there were books that we completely ignored, and there were books that we totally used incorrectly. One of the most popular things was the Psalms and the Proverbs, which if you know anything about them, they are actually a wisdom book, the Proverbs, and the Psalms are poetry. And they're really not intended to be taken literally word for word, but that's how we use them. And we had all kinds of theology that we collected from the Psalms and Proverbs, which is really a totally inappropriate way to use them. But as I've looked at Christianity across the board and just seen different things, you know, there's a lot of Bible that gets taken completely out of context. And there's a lot of Christians that use it totally incorrectly. And then you have people who just want nothing to do with the Bible because of how it has been abused or misused or spiritually abusive in their lives. And you really can't blame them when the Bible gets used like that. And I think about my own journey with the Bible, and it's really kind of comical. Like I knew from a very young age that I should be reading the Bible, but I really didn't know how to read it or in what order to read it or anything like that. And so I actually had this little jar. Um, it was crocheted. No, it wasn't. It was plastic. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. It was like this plastic thing you strung yarn through. So I created this little plastic jar, and I had every single book of the Bible in there on a piece of paper. And when it came time to pick a new book of the Bible, I would like pray and be all spiritual. Then I would shake my little jar and whatever book fell out, that's where I would read. But I really didn't understand how to read the Bible or what it was even about. I didn't understand the difference between the church and the nation of Israel. I didn't understand about anything like that. And I think about uh, we had this huge Strong's Concordance because that was really big back then. We had to talk about Greek words and Hebrew words and the meanings of the words, but really it was used in a very twisted way in our organization. But I knew how to use my Strong's Concordance, and so I could look up different words and, and say this is what it meant. But nobody really taught me how to do it in an accurate way. And honestly, I don't think my parents even really knew how because they had never been taught. It's not something that most churches teach, and it certainly wasn't something that our organization taught because good hermeneutics would have proved a bunch of his stuff completely baloney. 
So I keep using this big word hermeneutics, and let me just explain that to you. It's basically just the interpretation of the Bible, or any literary text, honestly, how to interpret this in an accurate and correct way. So when you're interpreting the Bible, there's actually just a few things you really need to pay attention to. And number one is the genre of the book that you're reading. Are you reading poetry? Are you reading history? Are you reading a letter? Are you reading a book of wisdom? What exactly is the genre that you're reading? Because depending on what the genre is, you're going to be reading it in a different way. We don't take poetry quite as word for word literally as we would a historical piece, for example. And then we need to think about the author and the, the original audience. A lot of the things in the Bible, obviously, were from the ancient East. And so we don't see them the same way as they would have. And so you got to think about what is the author really trying to communicate here? And what would the audience have originally understood this to be communicating? And then we need to think about context. We can't just take one verse and say, oh, that means this. You really have to read that verse within the context of the verses around it or even the chapters around it to try to figure out what is this actually saying. And we did none of that growing up. And I do mean none of it. None of that was taken into context. We stole verses or pieces of verses all the time. And we never really thought about who the audience was or who the author was. And honestly, we never considered the genre of the book that we were reading. It was simply up for grabs. It was completely mystical and mysterious and ooh, it was the word of God. And so it could do anything for you. But the reasoning behind that was simply so that the person in charge of our organization could make it say whatever he wanted it to say so that he could control us through his religion and his expectations for behaviors and his five steps to this and three steps to that. And so it really had nothing to do with actual biblical interpretation of the correct kind at all. And honestly, if anybody had understood hermeneutics or had come to him and said, hey, this isn't in context, this is, this is wrong, like his entire organization could have fallen apart because there really wasn't hardly anything that was actually accurate biblically. This became very apparent to me after I graduated from high school. College, secular college especially, was not looked at as an option. It was definitely frowned upon because if you sent your kids to college, then they would be lost to the world forever and they would not believe the things about God and about the Bible and about their standards that you had trained them to believe. And so college was like a big no-no. So instead of going to college, our organization created this college-like experience through these online classes. And we were supposed to be taking them. And so we were kind of getting college-like. So after my graduation from high school, I started these classes. And two of the classes wanted me to walk through the seminars that our organization offered as kind of an introductory level and prove them point by point biblically. I was also taking some other classes. And so I had a lot going on. But as I walked through these points, I started realizing that I couldn't really prove them biblically. I was struggling to find verses that actually said what the points said. And even though they had references listed, when I read those verses, they just didn't really make sense in context. But I had deadlines. And so eventually I started just looking up keywords in my trusty Strong's Concordance and writing down a piece of the verse or, you know, a section of a verse plus a section of the next verse kind of a thing. And my instructors never corrected me. And as I continued to do this for a few months, I started wondering, man, is this how they proved these points originally? Like, is any of this actually accurate? And so I find it just ironic that 
they stopped us from going to college because they didn't want us to be lost to the world. And yet their fake college was what really made me doubt a lot of things that I grew up believing. And so context. Let's talk about the importance of context. When we use the Bible, we can't just snag a verse or a piece of a verse and decide what it says based on what we want it to say, which is exactly how my organization did everything growing up. And I see this in real life among real Christians, whether it's Christian memes or it's Christian Bible studies or it's just ideas that we have in our head about the Bible. One of the most popular verses that gets used out of context is in Isaiah. And it says, by his stripes, we've been healed. And it's that idea that we are going to be healed physically by his stripes. And people use it in this way all the time. When they're praying for things, they say, oh, well, by his stripes, we've been healed. And they claim it as a promise. And that phrase, by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed, is actually the last phrase of an entire verse. And it's from Isaiah 53. And if you read that verse in context, you're very quickly going to realize that this is a prophecy about the coming Savior. And if you start in verse 1, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Okay, guys, context. That has nothing to do with physical healing. That is a prophecy about the coming Savior who's going to heal us from our sins. We can't just take that phrase and use it for something like that. People do. He will do all the time because they don't understand context and hermeneutics. And so if we're going to actually find the real God and we're going to find the real Jesus and we're going to understand who he really is, we have got to use the Bible correctly. We can't just come up with this stuff. We can't just snag this and that and use it and piece it together. There's another one, Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And we use that as a promise. I've seen it in these little promise books that people keep on their coffee table or on the back of the toilet in the bathroom. And we say, oh, this is a promise. If I trust in the Lord, then he's going to direct me and it's all going to work out and all this kind of stuff. But Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And what that means is it's things that are typically true. If you look through the Proverbs, it was written as kind of a general truth. So these are things that are generally true. They're not promises. They're simply general truths. And generally, that's true. If we choose to trust in God, then things are going to go according to the way that he says they're going to go. And we're going to trust that that's happening. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean my life is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that everything good is going to happen. This is not some kind of a magical thing that I can just say or believe and then get all the results that I want. This is just simply a general truth. If I'm living a life that is trusting in God, then he's going to direct me. And so it's very interesting to see what happens to a lot of our favorite little Christianese statements, our Christianese beliefs, when we actually read the Bible in context. And we realize there's a lot of things that aren't promised, but there are also a lot of things that are promised that we don't like, like uh, persecution, trouble, things like that, suffering. 
It's part of this broken world. And we can't use the Bible as this magical book or this mystical place where we're going to find all of the answers. The Bible is the history of God's pursuit of people. And that's what it is. There is historical stuff that talks about how he pursued people from the beginning when he created them and they fell away and chose to do their own thing and to sin. And he pursued them and he pursued them and he pursued them. And that is the story of the Bible. And that is what it's all about. It's about God coming after people. It's about who God is. It's about who we are. And I honestly didn't understand any of this until after I had married my husband and we went to Bible college. And I was not taking classes necessarily, but I was learning a lot because he was taking classes. And so all of a sudden, the Bible started making more sense. He was coming back home and telling me, like, each book is a different kind of book. Like, it's a genre, and you can't just, you know, misunderstand that. And it changes everything if you do. And I was like, wait, really? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? And it was just so eye-opening. It was amazing. And a few years later, once we'd moved back to Michigan, we were doing a Bible study with our small group. And we were going through Max Licato's book, The Story, which is basically the Bible that he has kind of taken apart and put into chronological order. So it just makes sense. And it was a 30-week study, which sounds like a long time, but it was really great. And so the prophets were kind of interspersed with the kings. And you kind of got this picture of what was happening. And as I was reading this with my group, do you know what I saw? I saw Jesus. Through the entire Bible, Jesus was being hinted about and he was being predicted. And it got to the point where as I'm getting towards the end of the Old Testament, I'm just feeling this anticipation and it's just ramping up. And I'm just so excited because I know what comes next. And all of a sudden, there he was. There's Jesus. And it was just amazing to see the Bible in context like that, in chronological order like that, and to realize this is God's story for us, that he recorded for us, so that he, we could know who he is and who he has always been. And I am just so excited about the Bible. And I realize that it can be something that is not exciting because it's been used to abuse you. People use the Bible in such terrible ways. And you honestly, if you wanted to just grab a verse here or there, you can probably make the Bible say whatever you wanted it to say. You could probably come up with just the craziest stuff and say, oh, well, it's in the Bible. But when you use it in context with good hermeneutics, paying attention to the author and the audience, paying attention to the words and verses and chapters around it, paying attention to the original intent, paying attention to the genre of the book you're reading, what you see is Jesus. You see this amazing God who loves the people that he made and who comes after them with grace and truth and love and mercy and continues to pursue them to the point when he becomes a person, when he comes to take care of the problem, he comes to show us who he is in a physical form that we can understand. And he promises that he's coming back. Like that is the good news of the scriptures. And so as I close today, I just want to ask some questions because maybe some of you guys really have a hard time with the Bible. And so I would just ask to really just evaluate, how do I feel about the Bible? And then the second question is, do I feel that way because I've read it for myself or because people have told me things about it? Because I feel like so often it's easy to read and instead of just reading the words, you're hearing something in your head. I had to get a new version when I got out of my cult because I couldn't read the New King James anymore because I already knew what someone had said about it. 
So to get a completely new version was just a wonderful thing. I could read it in a clear sense, which is finding out what is this? What is it really saying? And so do you feel this way about the Bible because you read it for yourself? Or do you feel about it because someone else has told you things about it? Because you've read blogs or books or someone else has had some opinion. And I would just, if, if that's who you are, I would just really encourage you, read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Use good hermeneutics, do some research, and figure out what is this Bible actually saying to me? Not what did someone else say about it, but what does the Bible actually say? And I would just encourage you to read it in appropriate ways and not in crazy ways like I did growing up. Don't use it as a religious Ouija board. Use it as the truth in the accurate way that it should be read. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.